Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. You to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of which, coming up in just a few minutes, another online scam that used to be just during the Christmas season, getting people now is an all-season scam. I'll fill you in on how to protect yourself. And coming up later, you know, it feels like we're in an always-lose battle with our identity, our security, our passwords, and all that. I want to tell you there are a number of major sites that are coming up with better ways to protect you. I want to tell you how some of the bigs are offering you methods that require a couple extra steps but will more easily protect your account and your identity. So I want to talk to you about something that came up first last fall and it involved a caller who was scammed out of money and they ended up sending the crook money using the Venmo app. And Venmo is a fantastic app to use if you want to send money to a friend or family member only. Only. So criminals, knowing that they get money deposited very quickly from you, are conning people into sending them money using the Venmo app with you as an unsuspecting consumer not being aware that Venmo and the bank competitor product that's called Zelle, but many banks use their own branding for Zelle, that these apps are not set up where you have any kind of normal consumer protections when you deal with a stranger. So uh, as criminals have stepped up their attempts to steal from people, conning you into paying with the Venmo app, more and more people are suffering like our caller from last year, sending money to a crook, realizing that they got taken, and then having no recourse, no way to get your money back because... The idea of these is these are electronic funds transfers and Congress never designed any consumer protections whatsoever for this area because when Congress used to care about what happened to people, this didn't exist in more recent years and it's why debit cards have vastly inferior I can't even call them protections. There's virtually nothing meaningful for debit cards, completely different than credit cards, because now banks so rule Washington and the corridors and all the money they spread around to the members of the House and the Senate, nobody lends an ear anymore to the thought of how to protect their actual voters, their actual constituents. And so when you use one of these apps where you can send money to somebody else for free from your checking account, what's missing from that is any, any, any consumer protection at all. So what you've got to know is that if you're dealing with a seller of anything and they're trying to get you to pay them with Venmo or Zelle, know that you don't do it. 
don't do it. If you go to dinner with friends and one person wants to pick up the check temporarily so they can earn points on a card or cash back or whatever, and you're squaring up with the person who paid for your share of a meal, or let's say people are going together to buy a gift for somebody for their birthday, and one person goes to the store and they buy it and then everybody else needs to reimburse them, that's when you use Venmo. But when it comes to uh, anything involved with an unknown third party, you use a payment app like Venmo, wow, with unbelievable risk. Um, now, there's another thing I talked about last year I want to reiterate, and this is the scam involving Venmo and Zelle, where somebody will say their phone's out of battery or their phone was stolen or whatever, and they need to make a call to someone. And they take your phone, and before you even realize it, they set up a transfer of them for themselves. If they see Venmo or Zelle on your phone, they set up a cash transfer, and you don't even realize they've done it. And then they go ahead and they make a call, and you don't realize till later when there's no money in your checking account that you got hoodwinked by somebody when you were trying to be helpful. Anytime somebody asks to use your phone, please remember... Dial the call for them yourself and then hand them the phone. And that way, they will not be able to take advantage of you stealing money using one of those apps. Uh, Venmo is having such a problem with people being scammed out of their money who don't even have enough money to cover whatever they've been scammed with the app that they're now using debt collectors to come after you. So think about that. A criminal may get you to overdraw your account without you even knowing it. You lose all that money and you end up having to deal with a debt collector that you need to pay money to. Nasty, nasty. Woo. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Jeff. So, Jeff, how can I serve you? Well, I've listened to you for years and uh, one of these subjects you talk about is the insurance companies and dealing with um, the value of a car after it's been into an accident. But I wanted to ask preemptively, if I love my car and it has a lot of miles on it and the blue book is, is less than what I'm even offered by private individuals just walking down the street, is there something I can do, maybe a rider I can add or something I can do with my policy God forbid if I get into an accident and they want to total my car because it costs too much to repair, is there something I can do to preemptively say, hey, no, I, I want this car fixed no matter what? Okay, as that's long a, as it's not totaled, as long yeah. as it's not totaled by you know, the frame or something. Right. That's a great question. So today, generally a car that is six model years old or older will likely be totaled even from what seems to be a relatively minor accident. Hmm. And so... The only vehicles that you can do something like what you're talking about with are vehicles that would qualify as a classic car that are insured usually by a specialty insurer or a specialty insurance policy. In the case of a classic car, not an old car, but a classic car, you can buy that kind of coverage. But generally, all an insurer is required to do is make you whole. And what's considered to be make you whole 
is if they decide to total a vehicle, which they will usually do depending on the insurer, when the cost of a repair is estimated to be somewhere, depending on the insurer, 65 to 70% of the remaining value of the vehicle, they'll, they'll total it out. If a vehicle six years or older has the airbag deploy, it's over. They're going to total that vehicle, bam, right away. And so then the only argument you can have with an insurer is what truly is fair market value of your vehicle. I'm curious, how old is your vehicle? It's a 2003. Oh, you're my hero. You have a 16-year-old vehicle as your daily driver? I do, and I joke with people. I tell them I'm going to drive it till the wheels fall off. And Perfect. funny enough, the wheels did rust out, and I had to buy a new set of wheels. No, <laughs> no. How yep. many miles do you have on this thing? Uh, 220, and about 100 of them are Arizona miles, and now I'm in the northeast. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's seen some salt and snow in the past few years. So wait a second. Aren't you really messing this up? You should be in the northeast in the summer. <laughs> In Arizona, right. probably eight months a year. I don't think I'm old enough to be a snowbird yet, but that might happen. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so essentially you are out of luck in the event the and, circumstance you said happens. And so anybody with an older car, no two ways about it, gets hurt financially when they're in an accident, even if nobody is physically hurt in the accident. Your wallet will be crying if they want to total it is at, at that point can i approach them and say hey fine total it but then let me buy it from back from you yeah so some insurers will pay you a reduced payout in return for if it's permissible in the state where you are to give you what's known as a salvage title to the vehicle reduce the payout wow. to you and then you have a vehicle that you can repair as you wish and continue to drive but you have a salvage title, which on a 16-year-old vehicle means nothing. Because right. your vehicle's depreciated out. Gotcha. But that is the alternative, and it's something that a lot of people uh, attempt to do with an older vehicle. And again, it depends on the policies required by a state and the policies of the insurance company that you're with if they'll permit you to do a salvage title buyout. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Scott. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Scott. I'm very sorry to hear that you lost a loved one, which has to be what happened with what you're calling me about. Yeah. So several years ago, I inherited, amongst a few other things, a a traditional IRA. And, you know, there's there's limited options with what you can do with it. I was pretty young at the time. And so I opened up essentially an inherited IRA and with the required minimum distributions, I chose to go the annual route. And then what I've been doing since then is it almost, um, the minimum distribution almost completely filled a, a Roth your annual contribution. So I've just been rolling it into a Roth IRA. However, um, both of these accounts are set up with a larger bank. Yuck. And yeah. out of the so, bank, out of the bank, out of the bank. Right. Yeah. And, do you know um, when would, an IRA should be with the bank? Okay. No, when when do you think an IRA should be with a bank? Oh, um, probably never. Yes, that is the right answer. Never, 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 not ever should an right. IRA ever be with a bank. Banks are right. places to let them overcharge you for your checking account. And if 
if they offer any good deal on savings or CDs, fine, get a credit card from them. Never, never, never do your investing with a bank, do your retirement with a bank because they're not properly equipped for it and they rip you off. Their banks are only open, most of them, five days a week in short hours, but they rip you off seven days a week every day of the year. Yeah, to top it all off, I also got eventually talked into moving or having the uh, IRA actively managed account. So You're killing also, me here. You're, you're killing me. I know, I know Clark. So, um, you know, after I picked up your show not too long ago and I've been realizing I've been doing things a little incorrectly, so I'm looking for a By my opinion, option. I mean, you know, in my opinion, it's incorrect. Yeah, right. There are people right. that would certainly disagree with that, but I would roll both of those over into one of the low-cost companies you hear me rave about. Now, so with uh, especially with the or the inherited IRA, um, you know, with the minimum distributions right now, my the bank has just been sending that you know putting into it like a checking account, and then I let them know to put it into the Roth. And how would that if I go to a low-cost option? Like, how would that be handled? Yeah, they'll do the I same do thing. That? They will calculate the RMD for you each year. Okay. And they will have some method of distributing that money to you, which you then either would automatically have in the Roth or you'd have to uh, manually deposit that money in the Roth. But okay. what that gives you the advantage of is with the money that's in the traditional and with the Roth, Put them both into the target retirement fund closest to when you're going to retire so that they're mirror accounts, mirror image, and then each year the RMD just moves straight back into that same investment. Okay. Anyone you would recommend? Uh, Vanguard, Schwab, or Fidelity. If you like, If you like dealing with humans that you can see face-to-face, do, Van, do Fidelity or Schwab. If you don't mind doing everything online... It's great to do it with Vanguard. Any of the three, though, are very low cost and will benefit you mightily. So I can't believe in the spring I'm talking about something that I usually only talk about around Thanksgiving or the first week of December, a very common scam that now seems to no longer know a season. It's today's Clark Rageous moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So there was a uh, story that was just on one of our radio affiliates about someone who was conned in the puppy scam. And if you're not familiar with the puppy scam, you don't have kids probably. (laughs) It happens every year leading up to Christmas when so many children somehow think that the perfect Christmas gift is to have a new puppy. And so con artists have always used that time period from Thanksgiving to Christmas to falsely list pets for sale and usually some kind of breed, pretend to be a breeder, and sight unseen, people send money to the breeder, and then, of course, there's no pet. Well, now this is moving around the year, and with people's comfort and shopping online, More and more people are falling for a scam where the seller sends you pictures of the litter and you pick out which one you want. They're not their litter. And then they say that they're going to send it to you and they need money for the shipping service for the pet. 
whatever's tall story they tell you, they try to get money from you twice. Once for purchasing the puppy, second for shipping the puppy. If they can only get money out of you once, they're happy with that. Because remember, they're a phony baloney. They are not a breeder. They do not have any puppies for sale. And the rule of thumb is so simple. And that is, it's the Craigslist rule. You never, ever, ever send money to somebody you're not seeing face-to-face. And with the puppies, where you're picking them out in person. Follow that one rule, and you won't be scammed any day of the year by any phony trying to con you out of money, big money, for some kind of breeded puppy. Brett, breeded? It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and spending every dollar as wisely as you can. You know, that's what we're about, is helping you keep more of what you make. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. If you want uh, try to get me to answer your question directly, there'll be a box there you can check. All right, so speaking of boxes to check, there's a box almost none of us are checking. We've gotten to the point where we feel uh, weary about all the data breaches and all the people hacking into our accounts and all that, and we feel like, why bother? In fact, I saw recently on a, a blog I read of the banking industry that somewhere between only 5 and 8% of people, by that estimate, had set up two-factor authentication on any account they have. And so I know that our system is vulnerable, but two-factor authentication, although it's not bulletproof, is a great way for you to protect yourself. And you can do it with bank accounts, brokerage accounts, mutual fund accounts, social media accounts generally. Uh, you can do it with a lot of email accounts, anything you do with Google. In fact, Google has a new app called Authenticator, which works in tandem with a lot of others, two-factor authentications, where you don't have to enter the one-time code. It's a, a new method of verifying identity and that you are who you say you are. doesn't use an eye scan, doesn't use a fingerprint. It uses a methodology where Google, because they're so present in so many of our lives, they're able just through this AI app, they're able to verify that you are who you say you are and you can use it at other places. So let me say, since I didn't realize such a tiny percent of people use two-factor authentication. This is all it means. If you go to a website, or you go to a social media site, you go to your bank or whatever site, and you sign in using a username and password, they're then going to have an additional step that you can generally at your own option choose to use. The... Um, the one that is considered to be the least effective, but still much better than not using any form of two-factor authentication, is where a one-time use code is texted to your cell phone, and then you enter that. Now, the reason that's considered to be the least effective is because criminals have become pretty adept if they have a target they're trying to get to their, particularly their brokerage account, because that's where money heavily is, more than a bank account, they will try to defeat two-factor authentication by hijacking 
your cell phone service in the middle of the night while you sleep. I don't want to go into all how they do that, but then they use that as a way to get into your brokerage account and try to wire money out of your brokerage account. Remember, the two-factor authentication would go to them. That's all I want to say because I don't want to freak you out anymore. Um, One thing I want you to know is if you have substantial money in a bank or a brokerage account, you need to set up with your bank that no wires are sent out without a manual verification that you have authorized that wire. Because if you don't set a manual roadblock in place, then the criminal may just simply by having hijacked your SIM be able to wire all the funds out of your account. And then, let me tell you, it's a mess to get back your money, if ever. This is of greatest risk to any business with your bank account on wiring instructions. Because under the law, businesses don't have the same protections from fraud that a consumer does. A consumer, if you know what to do, will get your money restored. A business, even knowing what to do, may not be able to get your money back after it's been stolen by a crook. But two-factor authentication is a process that's really, really easy. Usually, with any social media app, you go to settings. And under settings, there will be a thing for security, and you'll be able to establish an additional layer to security that may in fact be referred to as two-factor authentication is just an example. And I use two-factor authentication everywhere I can with whatever procedure is required by that site. And it turns out nobody's doing that. And, And I think it's because people have given up now that they know that Security is so poor. The hacks are so frequent. But this is precisely why you should use the power, the tool given to you by two-factor authentication. Ian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ian. Hello. How are you? Great. Thank you, Ian. You're going on a trip. Where are you headed? Yeah, family and I are thinking of making a trip to Florida um, in September. Great. So that is... Absolute bargain time to go to Florida. <laughs> so you're a hoping. cheap guy like me, huh, that you're going in September. Yeah, I try. I've actually listened to you um, since I was in my teens and appreciate everything you and your team do. And do you remember why September is one of the very cheapest times a year to take a vacation? No, not off the top of my head. Because kids go back to school. People have already done their summer vacations. Uh, very few people can or or do take vacations in September, so it just opens up wherever you want to go with lower prices, smaller crowds, everything you'd want in order to save money and have a better time. Uh, yeah, that's always great. <laughs> um, but in essence, what we're trying to do in that same vein is save, save some money. Uh, my wife and I have been talking about looking around and finding credit cards that offer um, introductory bonuses in the form of miles um, and essentially opening up one of those cards in order to uh, use it to buy our September airfare. And we both have um, moderately good, pretty good credit um, in the upper 700s, low 800s. 
um, and we pay off our bills, our credit card bills every at the end of every month. Wanted to get your take on if that's a good strategy to pursue, if there are challenges redeeming the miles. Um, what Let me ask you both. this. How much... Uh, there, there's a way for you not to worry about challenges with redeeming. I'll talk about that in a second. So what kind of charge volume could you pump out in 90 to 120 days? Um, we'd have no problem. I've seen anything from three to $4,000 in that time frame, and we'd, have, we'd be fine hitting that, hitting okay. that with normal, normal usage. All right. So the one that I've been intrigued by lately for someone wanting to do what you're doing is the Barclay Card Arrival and you may have seen that, Barclay Card Arrival Plus, it's doing a 70,000-point bonus right now. Okay. And so you pay $89 annual fee, but it's waived for the first year. So you can get those points. If you decide the card's not useful to you before your first anniversary, you can cancel it, and you will have paid nothing to get 70,000 miles. And the way the miles are redeemed is it would get you a fair number of domestic tickets, especially in a off-peak period like September. Okay. And are there any limitations to airlines that that can be redeemed? So what they like do, that? when you get one of these that's like from the Capital One card that you earn points on or the Barclay card, any of the ones that just earn generic points, they have a system where you redeem them for multiple airlines rather than if you get a card that's a captive to one particular airline where you were so limited. And since airlines now generally use variable reward charts for free tickets, if you're a captive to one airline and you want to go at a specific time like you do in September, you could find that the number of points they require you to redeem is just not worth it. So when you... If you are someone who doesn't have a pre-existing loyalty to one airline, I'd love for you to get one of these generics. And you can, I would go compare like the, um, the Capital One Venture card, compare the Barclay Arrival Plus card. I'm trying to think if there's any other I'd look at right now that is not specific to an airline. Those are the two I'd probably look at. No, absolutely. I appreciate that very much. I will check those out. And I'm, you were silent, so I'm guessing you do have no loyalty to one particular airline. <laughs> I have ones that I like to fly on, but certainly where I go where the cost is, where the price is right. All right. Well, that's great. And you're picking the right time. Now, the other really great times to travel, I wanted to hit you with, Ian, for you and for other folks, the cheapest two weeks of the year to, to travel anywhere uh, for a vacation you take by car, for when you fly to, whatever – are the first two weeks of December, roughly, after Thanksgiving has ended, but before the Christmas season has kicked off, nobody is taking uh, cruises unless they have a lot of free time in their lives. They're very cheap. Fun in the sun vacations are very cheap. International trips are very cheap. That is the cheapest time. And then of the peak season, I think I addressed this recently, early January, is the cheapest time to go. So those are the three favorite windows for cheapskates. Noelia is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, how are you today? I am fine. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. You got a question um, about your debt. Yes, sir. Um, I was interested in finding out or um, 
you know, how to approach um, trying to pay off some credit cards um, if they would accept a lower settlement or, you know, what would you advise? So credit card companies generally are only interested in accepting less than the amount owed if you've already ruined your credit by going into default on the credit cards, what they uh-huh. call it the credit card company's charge-off status. Okay. And when you're in charge-off status, either the internal bank collection department or the external third-party collector will uh, be all ears on negotiating a lower amount for you, and they all have their own formulas on how much they'll give you off, if you think of it that way, from the face amount of the balance owed based on their own internal rules for that. But you have to be in a position where you've already essentially ruined your credit for years to come forward. Are you current on everything? Yes, I am. And so I I look at it as a really tough trade you'd really only want to do if you were facing extreme financial hardship in your life. Okay. Is that your circumstance? No, it's not. All right. So let's talk what the next best alternative is. What are the interest rates that your credit cards carry as best you know? Oh, some are 19. All right. Around that range. And see, when you have interest rates that are mid-teens to high-teens, Every month when you pay, a big amount of what you're paying is going to service the interest, not the principal. Correct. And there's the box on your credit card statements that says how long you'll be in debt. And generally, if you pay only the minimums, uh, it'll take you somewhere around 40 years to pay off the balance. Have you seen that box? I have. I have. Yes, I have seen that. So I'm going to make two suggestions to you. Okay. One, if you're struggling to get ahead of these debts and make more than the minimum payments in a typical month, I would want you to go sit down with a counselor at an affiliate of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, the website nfcc.org, and uh, usually sitting down with a budget counselor is free. They'll go over your expenses. They'll come up with ideas for you how to get a payment plan together that'll get it paid off in a reasonable period of time, which is usually three to five years. Are you able, though, right now to pay well beyond the minimum? Yes, I am. If you are able to pay well beyond the minimum, you may not need that. And what I would recommend instead is that you look at migrating those debts to a lower interest rate offer. Do you happen to be a member of a credit union? Yes, I am. Have you, are either of these cards that we're talking about with a credit union? No, they're not. Go to the credit union, and they may be able to do a balance transfer offer that will get you down to maybe half the interest rate you're paying now. Okay. Also, look at LendingClub.com and Prosper.com and see okay. if with either of those, with your credit standing, you could refi into, let's say, a 36-month loan or... or uh, 48-month loan or something like that at a much lower rate than that 15 to 19% and be on a straight path to pay off that debt and be done with those credit cards. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bill is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Bill, you're thinking of getting a used Tesla. Yeah, it's been on my mind for a while, but um, I I know what to ask uh, regarding a used car, gasoline-powered, and uh, what to look for, that sort of thing, but not for an all-electric vehicle, so I was hoping you could help me kind of know what to ask or what to look for or things to think about for maintenance, uh, that sort of thing. Well, with the Teslas... Uh, you can either buy a used Tesla from Tesla, which is where most of them are, are available, or you can buy one mm-hmm. third party that uh, maybe a dealer bought at auction. But I have right. a big bias towards you doing the um, the purchase of one from Tesla, because if anything does go wrong with it, pretty much you have to have it repaired by Tesla. And right. it, so is it you, kind of like a certified pre-owned then? It, it's, it's well, they don't have any terminology like that, but they, right. depending on the age of the used Tesla you get, you get either mm-hmm. a uh, multi-year warranty on the vehicle and oh. miles, it's two years or four years typically. Okay. Uh, and so the cost of used Teslas has dropped a lot in the last year as mm-hmm. Teslas have become more available. And there was a time that Teslas were so hard to get that people were paying a huge amount for the used ones. And now it's settled in to more like the normal used vehicle market. Okay, good. And what I would recommend is that what price point are you looking at? We haven't really shopped around a lot to, to get an idea what they're going for. So uh, They start depends, used, they start at about 35000 for used? Yeah. Okay. And this right. is for a, a Model S. Right. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. Okay. So if you can find one with reasonable miles on it, under 40,000 or around 40,000, that's a steal okay. of a deal. Because a new one typically drives off the um, the Tesla lot at around 105 to 110,000, which mm-hmm. is amazingly expensive i mean people can buy yeah. a condo in some places for that so that's why i really love the used market and on tesla's website you can see all the used ones they have coast to coast you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim ayers and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com 